0: no matter what circumstance you're facing, no matter what season of life that you're in, if you truly want to find success in that season, you're gonna have to go back to the simple question of, what does God say about me in this moment?
1: There's no shortage of information in this culture, but there is a shortage of truth. Welcome back to the Thinking Out Loud podcast. My name is Kevin Wilson and I've got Kyle Wentzel here with me. We are excited to have you guys join us again for another episode of the podcast. And as we say all the time, we get into everything here. So whatever the topics are, whether it's having you laugh, it's got you crying, whatever the case may be. We delve into all things culture, all things controversial sometimes, and deep topics. And you know, today is going to be one of those days where we're gonna delve into some deeper topics. We're gonna be raw. We're gonna be real. We're gonna share some personal stories today. We're also going to just talk about some statistics as it has to do with all things mental health. But before we get into that, Kyle, if you could sit down with anybody from the past or the present, anybody doesn't, you know, no barriers. And you had an hour with this person other than Jesus, who would it be?
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Mm, I don't know. Okay, can I give you like 3? Sure. <laughs> you you throw me on the spot here. So, my favorite actor of all time has to be Denzel Washington. Oh, wow. Okay. And I know <laughs> it has to be, but he's just an intellectual being. He is on stage no matter what character, the same person as he is off stage. And I've seen it in videos. I've seen he just seems smart. I would like to pick his brain. Yeah. Like how he mastered his craft, how he became the man that he is in the culture, and how he's been able to pretty much be unchangeable, no matter what the culture has brought his way. And then I would probably say, maybe most people don't know listening who this guy is, but my favorite author is Mark Batterson. Oh, yeah. And Mm -hmm. I would talk Bible, talk life, talk leadership. I would love to talk creativity. I mean, everything with that guy in his own coffee shop. In Washington, D.C., wow. I would love to have some coffee with him and just talk, yeah. just pick his brain. So I said three, I'll just give you two. Mark Batterson, Denzel Washington. If you guys are listening, I wouldn't mind to sit and talk.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome.
0: Yeah. So,
1: yeah. You know what? I love that. I'm just, I'm trying to think, you know, I ask you that on the spot, and I'm trying to think of my two. Yeah. So who would you yeah. sit with, Kevin? <laughs> uh... <laughs> So one would definitely be Francis Chan. Oh. He that's a good is one. just amazing. I believe that the way he thinks, I think that the way, you know, he feels like Christianity should be. You know, he he definitely tries to, to live it that way. I think he's right on. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's not the gospel, I don't know what is.
0: I would say,
1: hmm. Man, that's tough. I you know.
0: Can I give you one more? Just because I wanna see the reality. Behind the posts and the tweets. I want I wanna to talk to President Trump. <laughs> uh-uh.
1: I, thought, I, I thought you were gonna I wanna... say Kanye
0: West. <laughs> no. Okay. I wanna talk. <laughs> I don't think me and Kanye could have a real talk. I wanna to talk to President Trump and just I wanna just all goofiness, <laughs> all everything aside, like I would like to see the man. You know, behind like yeah. behind the post, behind the tweet behind the left and right news, just the man Donald Trump and just talk to him. <laughs> and uh we if I do that, we may have our own show on that, man. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, I you know,
1: it seems like the people who are closest to him and is around him and done business dealings with him, they they say he's a you know, he's just a regular, really nice guy. So I you know, I don't know, man. Let's It'd be intriguing. That's, uh, that would be very, very intriguing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I think my other person would probably have to be, and I. It's this is almost a carbon copy of uh, Francis Chan, but David Platt. Mm-hmm. He, you know, the, and if you don't, you guys don't know who David Platt is. He wrote the book Radical. Francis Chan wrote the book uh, Crazy Love and a bunch of other books, and so did David Platt. But man, these guys—they changed my life. Yeah, I mean, they really did. Their books um, and just their talks. Just really helped me to understand the gospel and what, Mm -hmm. as Christians, we should be doing instead of what most of the time we are doing. You know, I did, I will say this, in reading their books, I felt very guilty about having a house, a car, and having any money at all. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because you just want to go sell everything when you read one of their books. But you realize that, you know, all things in balance and and what's what God's calling you to do. But would love to sit down with those guys and just chat and just, you know you know, and, and you know what? One more, one more, one more. So everybody knows me, knows I'm a musician, love music, live and breathe music. So my favorite gospel singer, now there's a difference between Christian contemporary and gospel. We're not going to go there right now, but there's a difference. Okay. So <laughs> there's tons of people on the contemporary Christian side that I would love to talk to. It's too many to name, but on the gospel side, there's less for me. On the gospel side, it's John P. Key. I grew up, Listening to John F. Key. If I could have an hour with that guy, oh my, he is a musical genius. So that's who I want to talk to. So no, but but yeah. So I I guess enough about our uh, meetings, (laughs) and uh, really, let's talk, Kyle, about something super serious. And I know as well as you that one of the biggest challenges that people are facing today is mental health challenges. I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, I will tell you from a pastor's standpoint, I dealt with that in ministry a lot, Uh, counseling people, still counsel people today. You know, I also am a human resources professional. So I see a lot of people who deal with that in the marketplace. I can't tell you how many employees that we, you know, we have that deal with that. So it's a real thing. And it's something that needs to be talked about. The church needs to talk about it. Christians at large just need to talk about it. And we don't. And in our mental health system, it's a broken system. Yeah. There's too many people out there that cannot get the therapy they need, the medicines they need. You know, They don't have the insurance that will, will help them to get the help that they need. Right. And so let's open this up. We both have had experiences on the mental health mm-hmm. side of things. And again, guys, you're going to hear us be raw today. You're going to hear us open our hearts. Oh yeah! I will tell you, I'm a very private person. And so for me to say some of the things that I'm going to say today is difficult for me, but I do realize that if it's going to help somebody, that's something that I want to do. And I'm willing to tell you anything Absolutely. if it's going to help you. And so- Kyle has a journey, and I have a journey, and I know that many of you have a journey. If you're listening today, or if you know somebody who has went through mental health issues, you know, invite them to join in and listen. Kyle, talk to me a little bit about kind of how did the whole mental health journey start with you?
0: Yeah, first of all, I like that you say journey because it's still going on. Yeah, yeah. But I am excited about this, Kev. I'm excited that we're able to share our experiences with our listeners. Before we get a professional on, yeah, so the foundation's there, the awareness is there, the experience is there. It's us telling our listeners, you're not alone. There are times where we felt like we were alone, and we had to come to terms with the fact that we're not a- awkward, we're not crazy, yep. we're not It's not an isolated situation, yeah, and so I've got some stats here that I want to share really quick. We posted one of these stats on our social media platform because it's just staggering, 46.4% of adults will experience mental illness in their lifetime. Wow. That's almost half of the adults in the US in their lifetime, they're going to experience some level of mental illness. This year alone, 43.8 million people will or have experienced mental illness in our nation. 50% of those disorders- begin by the age 14. Mm -hmm. Not to say that we know that we're dealing with mental illness by the age of 14, but we're going to start experiencing some mental illness repercussions at the age of 14. And then what really bothers me the most and is why my journey is where my journey is right now is because only 41% of people who suffer from mental illness are even going to find help. Wow. That less than half of the people that suffer with it are going to find... If If I was in high school Mm. and I said, I am just going to accomplish 41% of the tasks in front of me, that system would have told me I will fail. That's right. That I will not accomplish anything in life. So what bothers me is that as a nation, Mm. we have these stats ready for us Mm. and we're allowing that to be okay. Mm. And I get there's awareness out there and I get that we're talking about it, but what you're going to see in the journey that I experience is- it's easy to talk about it. Yeah, It's not as easy to get the help that we need in the time that we need it. And so I'm excited to talk about this. I know that we've got some people who are listening that are excited we're talking about this. And so getting raw, getting down to the journey is going to be hard, but coming from ministry, there's a purpose in this. And so my question is, Kevin, why do we think only 41% of people who suffer from mental illness will actually get help. So this year, let's just say 43.8 million is the number, okay? So we're talking less than 50 percent of that. So not even 20 million of those people mm. will say they're in the teens now. They're only going to get help. Is it an awareness thing? Is it that people just feel like maybe it's not socially acceptable? Are there enough resources? Is it not as easy to get help? I mean, what are some of these things here that are causing the number to be so low? In our nation. And that may be something that we cover with a professional on our next episode when we talk about this. Yeah. But from my experience, I can only go from my experience because every experience is different. Sure. I wasn't aware that I was dealing with a mental illness. Mm. I wasn't aware, and let's just call it what it is. I wasn't aware that I was dealing with anxiety. I wasn't aware that I was dealing with depression. I wasn't aware that the rage that I was experiencing was coming from a fight or flight response in my life. I, didn't, I wasn't aware of all that. I just thought there were some disciplines in my life mm. that I obviously needed to mature in. And the more that I would try to mature in those, the harder I fell on my face because I wasn't getting the help that I needed to get. And then speed it forward. The, one of the main reasons I didn't get help was it wasn't easy. I mean, it it was easy to be hospitalized. Sure, that was easy. Yeah, all you got to do is say the wrong thing at the wrong time to the wrong person. Yep, and you're hospitalized. Yeah. But coming out of that institution and coming back home and trying to figure out what I need to do next, I was on a waiting list for a fairly long time before I could get that professional help. Mm. And so my fear is that disconnect there of the lack of you know resources in that way, and so. A little bit about my journey, if, if you don't mind, I've always been, you, know, the type of kid who has been able to accomplish pretty much whatever task has come my way. I'm used to, or I, I had been used to things kind of having like the Midas touch, like if I did, if I, if I did something, mm-hmm. it was going to be good, and I was going to be good at it. And if I wasn't good at it, I was fully capable of learning mm-hmm. how to be good at it and making that situation a good situation. And so for most of my life, I was the type of guy that was either all in or I wasn't in at all. Mm. So I'm all in or not in at all. And that's a little foreshadow of why I'm in the state I'm in. Because like I said, I considered myself to do the very best at whatever it is that I was going to do. And so becoming a professional in ministry, being a youth pastor, I'm all in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so I'm all in with the performance pressure. I'm all in with the performance. I'm all in with the study. I'm all in with the crazy hours and working two or three jobs. I'm all in with all of that. Yeah. And inside of me, even if I'm not good at that moment at communicating or I'm not good at that moment at building relationships, I am going to work myself to the bone to become good at that. Mm-hmm. And that's just who I was. And I was okay with that. Mm-hmm. That in my life, I was fine. And then this journey of mental illness started. Around the age of 26. And, you know, up until the age of 26, I really didn't know that there were any underlying issues. And so, around 26 years old, which would have been 2016, anxiety started to surface. Worry, the things that I would worry about just didn't make sense. Mm. They would start to surface. Depression then followed because I wasn't getting sleep and I was over worrying about different things and I just couldn't settle down mentally that led into self-hate. I didn't feel like I was good enough anymore. And I didn't feel like I was measuring up. And it didn't just go from performance, but to how I looked and the type of man I was at home. And I mean, it just infiltrated my entire life to the point to where rage really became an outlet for me. Mm, mm. And so it didn't matter if it was a door that I wanted to punch. It didn't matter if it was an item I was throwing. I tried my best not to do it at home, but I raged anywhere I could for that outlet, that fight or flight response. Mm. And it got to the point to where I was having anxiety about things I loved doing. Yeah. And that's when ministry started to become a huge question in my life because I loved retreats with teenagers. That was like one of my favorite things. I love planning it. I mean, you get to plan a trip. Think about this. You get to plan a trip in a church where you're fundraising it for. So a lot of these trips you're going on with these teenagers You're not doing that with your family because you can't afford it. Mm -hmm. And so these are fun. These are ways to build relationships. I was having anxiety about those all of a sudden. Mm. Events, outreaches, preaching, hangouts, simple things in my life started to really consume me. And suddenly I became overwhelmed with that anxiety. And so fast forward that a little bit. I dealt with that for a couple of years. And like I said, I I really just thought, man, maybe these are some things that, hey, Kevin, I, I just need to... I need to form a better discipline. I need to mm. have a little more faith. I need to quote unquote trust God more. Mm. Right. Mm. And um because I had to express these things to my wife, to pastors, to and those were some of the answers, you know, I was getting. You know, a little bit of the faith base, which that's fine and all, but it wasn't healing me. And then 2019 happened. Mm. And if I could everybody's sharing memes about twenty twenty so far. COVID and all, twenty twenty doesn't compare to my twenty nineteen. The scariest year of my life, Mm. the mental illness, the mental health situation completely spiraled out of control. To start the year, I decided to, because of what I was dealing with on the inside, I decided to take a step away from ministry. One of the hardest decisions of my life, I'd be flat out to put it, Uh, in in- a position where I'm doing ministry with one of my best friends and I know the decision I'm about to make is going to have some huge repercussions. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. and so I make that decision. And then through the rest of the year, I couldn't hold the job. Mm-hmm. Not that the place didn't want me. It was that the second I would get involved in anything that would bring on any type of pressure, I ran. Yeah, I ran. I then, because of that, put my family into some financial stress. Because six weeks into a job, I would quit on the spot and just, i call my wife. And this is embarrassing to admit, but I'd be like, hey, Brooke, I no longer work at such and such. And just her in the middle of her classroom hearing that, I could only imagine what that put her through. That followed with emotional stress. And then that followed with trust being broken. I told you I was dealing with rage. I was dealing with anxiety. There was a lot of things that happened with My relationship with my kids, where I'm at the point now where I'm starting to see that rebuilding happen. Yeah. But just in their adolescent life, like two and four years old, I'm still dealing with some of the aftermath of me being just an angry person. Yeah. And my wife, you know, there's a lot of trust that has to be built there. And so then ultimately, what it left down to, Kev, was my identity just being completely just stripped of me because, like I told you, I was a guy who my initial response was fight. Yep. I would fight to do better. I would fight to be better. I would fight to be perfect. And now all of a sudden in 2019, the mental health issue has gotten so bad. My anxiety, my depression, my doubts, they've gotten so bad that the fight or flight response, mm-hmm. it just turned to flight. And I became somebody who ran from absolutely everything Yeah, to the point to where get a little raw here. We were frozen to had just come out. It's November. We're with my entire family. And we've got the girls. They're not acting good in the theater. No four-year-old, no two-year-old is going to. <laughs> sure. But this is where this mental illness reached its peak. I'm working for a trucking company. I'm under a lot of pressure there. I'm trying to just enjoy one of the only nights I have off. And we end up leaving the theater and from that theater i dropped my girls off at the house and drove myself to a hospital mm. because i was ready just to if i was going to hurt myself like i was irrationally thinking some thoughts that scared me yeah at this point you know what i'm saying when you're you're thinking thoughts of not not caring if you wake up you've got some serious issues and i knew that much as a person this isn't okay and so went to the hospital was really just seeking for some help and obviously they ask you questions to see where you're at. I don't remember much of those questions. My wife was with me and she basically states it as I said some things that qualified to keep me in the hospital under watch and then shipped over to uh, a mental institution, yeah. a psych ward. Yeah. And Kevin, to be on the week of Thanksgiving, sitting in a hospital robe, Looking at a psychiatrist, knowing you're not going to be home for Thanksgiving to see your girls, that was the moment I realized my goodness, I have an issue. I have some serious mental health issues, and it scared it scared me to death, and so I've always thought, and maybe you're listening. I've always thought this because you think about suicide and and I'm not saying that I thought about taking my own life because I'm personally scared of death. I'm personally scared to take my own life, but I know. That in my complete meltdown, I had a panic attack that night. And in my complete meltdown, I said things that I, maybe I didn't know I was feeling on the inside, or I didn't know that subliminally I was thinking that got me in there. And I always thought this, how could somebody with kids? How can somebody with a wife, how could they possibly think about leaving this world? Yep. And I said that as a pastor. Yeah. Yeah. So when we're dealing with suicide, I've always said, how I can't fathom. And now here I am looking at a psychiatrist going, why am I here? Because I was angry. And he looked back at me and said, because you're a danger to your own life. And I broke. Because I thought about my girls, because I thought about my wife. But Kev, that night before, I was in a whole nother state. And this is what I want people to understand. When you're dealing with a level of mental illness, you're dealing, you're not alone in it. But in that moment, you're alone and you're dealing outside of logic and you're dealing outside of reality. Yes, Reality and logic do not exist that's when right. you're dealing with panic yep. attacks, when you're dealing with anxiety, when you're dealing with depression. Reality and logic isn't there. Anxiety exists in the what if realm. And that's where I was at. And so the what if, it didn't include children. It didn't include family members. It included me, And what I thought about myself at that time. And it's crazy how your mind can make you feel so worthless and how far, how far that feeling of worthless can lead you.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, and just to piggyback on something you said, because I think it's important for all of us to understand that when a person gets to a place that Kyle is talking about, and I've been there and you'll hear some of my story as well, you get so low and it you grow so deep that there is no way to explain to another person the state that you're in. The people that you see on the news or you hear about, maybe, maybe a, God forbid, it was a friend or something like that who've taken their life or who've hung themselves or who slit their ri- whatever they've done, I promise you, that person was not in their right frame of mind when that happened. And the only way that you understand that is if you've been through it yourself. I've been through it. Kyle has been through it. And that's why we're telling our stories today. And, and, and because it's, in, you know, sometimes people are criticized when they do take their life or they're looked down upon or, you know, and especially if they, you know, and hopefully they don't take their life and they go get help. They're looked down upon. But you have no idea the depths of disparity that you, when I was suicidal, I convinced myself that the world would be a better place if I wasn't in it. I was convinced of that. Mm -hmm. And so it drove me to the point, and, and thank God, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but thank God I didn't end up doing it, right? But by the same token, I went there. I was able to get to those depths and I just preached a funeral for my one of my very own godsons who is was in his early 20s that committed suicide and it just mm-hmm. it I can't put into words how much it broke my heart because whatever he experienced just seconds before he took his life Is what I've experienced, and I know the deep dark hole that that is. And so it's to know that he was there. I know that he convinced himself, and all these other people who this happens to, you convince yourself that that no one cares, and that you know you the world is better off without you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that you know it's true that twenty four hours out of the day you have a conversation with yourself. Yes, you are constantly talking to yourself, and so. One thing that I really had to learn was how to get out of my own head. Yes. But like I said, if we can't find ways to get help, then our anxiety is going to take us out of that logic. Yes. Our depression is going to take us out of that reality. And unfortunately for me, I was kind of already living outside of that reality because if you are someone who's all in or nothing at all, that's unhealthy. Yes. like There's a part of commitment that you need to have, but there's a part of balance that life requires. And the problem is, is I was either so far on the left or so far on the right of things that I didn't realize that reality isn't far left and reality isn't far right. Reality has a balance in the middle. And if you don't find that balance in the middle, you are going to become unhealthy. Yes. And so what I had to learn was I had brought a lot of the anxiety and stuff that I was facing to the surface for the simple fact that I was performance driven. I was the type of guy that, what people thought of me was too important uh, to the point to where my wife could have said something about me, but if so-and-so didn't say something about me, or if this person didn't think that about me, listen, it got to the point to where in my own walk with Jesus, I'm not so sure I was looking for his affirmation more than I was the people leading me. And that is a very unhealthy place to be. And that's nobody's fault, but my own. And so just to kind of give you some background of what I mean when I say I had to get out of my own head with certain things. So while in the hospital, I was able to learn some of those coping mechanisms, which are guys are super important. And just a side note, I get out and for Christmas, my wife got me stocking stuffers and she literally got me a stress ball for each day of the week with a different (laughs) phrase on it. And it may have been too soon to joke around for something like that, but now and then I'll see them rolling around this house and it just reminds me in almost a year, how far clinical help and biblical help, faith-based counseling, how far the whole realm of help can help. I know that sounded redundant, but I mean, you mean you go from last Thanksgiving to being in a hospital, being fed medicine, almost dying on a sedative because the doctor gives you a sleep medication and forgets to tell you not to eat after you take it.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: Like like no joke, sitting there watching TV, took my I took seroquil. We were trying seroquil because I was an insomniac at that point. I my anxiety just kept me up. And I take it, it's about 20 minutes later, if that, I'm eating crackers. Thank goodness it was crackers. Because at that it's a muscle relaxer. So at that point, my throat muscles were not working.
1: My goodness.
0: Kyle didn't know. Oh. So, so yeah, so needless to say, I had a little bit of a fish out of water struggle with some crackers, but to get from that point to now realizing that it was, it took a lot to get there, but it was realizing the situation at hand and it was realizing this, and this is important. And this is something that as a youth pastor, man, if I have one regret from ministry, it's not leaving ministry. And I'll get into that in a little bit. My regret from ministry is covering topics like anxiety, depression, Identity, yeah. uh, panic attacks, and handling them head-on, and acting as if that was the problem, which it, it is a problem. Anxiety is a problem; yeah. it should not exist. Depression's a problem; it yeah. should not be there. But to act like a whole message needs to be given to depression and anxiety, I really feel like I failed the audience at that point because anxiety, depression, panic attacks—those are all symptoms that are physically telling you there is a deep problem. Anxiety is psychological as much as it is physiological. Yes. And so what I failed to realize in my own life was these are warning signs. This is my body saying, "Dude, something is seriously wrong, and if you don't fix it, anxiety is going to be the last of your worries." Right. And and because I ignored that, anxiety was one of the least of my worries. And so in order to heal the symptoms we honestly need to heal whatever is creating those symptoms. Yeah. Yep. And and so, you know, going through counseling. And I know we've both been through it and I'm still going through it. It saved my life. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, it saved my life, it saved my relationship with my kids, it saved my relationship with my wife. Not saying that our marriage was in trouble, not saying that I was a bad dad, but I will say that I had neglected areas of a fatherhood. I had neglected areas as my, as a husband that I didn't know because of my mind state. So the counseling has helped, but it helped me realize that, and there's people out there that are dealing with this part of mental illness. I went and I talked to the counselor. He kind of read me a little bit, got to know me, got to know my history, and he looked me eye to eye and said, You are dealing with PTSD. Mm. And I looked at him and I said, I'm not following you here because my whole understanding of PTSD was war veterans, people that have been involved in something physical. And this is where the whole anxiety is physiological as well as psychological. But he's like, no, listen, you had suffered some childhood trauma that not until you became a dad and around the same age, my daughter's four, she's around the same age I started dealing with this childhood trauma. He's like, I really think that you are starting to get that surface of what you're dealing with the younger Kyle. Yeah. At the age of 26, 27, 28, 29, now going on 30, you are going to have to start dealing with the younger Kyle because of that PTSD, and you're going to have to get healing for that. And so we talked a little bit about that, and that's what made me realize that's why I'm performance-driven. That's why I care so much about what people think, because the childhood trauma that I dealt with was my father, who was everything to me. I mean, around five, six years old, he started to, to really start to separate himself from me. Seven, eight years old, around eight, nine years old is when he crushed my life. Mm. And through a divorce, he still stuck around. He was my best friend. He was who I looked up to. He was everything to me. And then around eight, nine years old, he just decided not only was he going to forget about his kids, he just wasn't going to see them anymore. Mm. And as a kid, I remember that crushing me then, but I had a guy come in and we don't call him stepdad. He's my dad, not my biological father. But for most of my childhood, Kev, I had, I had a father figure. I had somebody there that took the place and he raised me and my brother. Yeah. And so for most of the time, I didn't have to deal with, Yeah. Yeah. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That father wound. But now that I'm on my own as a father, here I am, I i am dealing with my father wound because I'm starting to experience things with my kids that I didn't get to experience with my biological dad, my best friend, the one who let me down. And so I want to throw this acronym out for, for those that are listening because this, and I shared this with you, Kevin, this, is, this was what helped me start to realize that it indeed was a father wound because here's what I think is the problem. I think most of us, we could get to the root of our problem. Yeah. I don't think most of us are willing to accept mm-hmm. that's the problem when my counselor looked me in the face and he said, you are dealing with a father wound. I didn't want to accept yeah. it. I just felt like it was too petty. I felt like it was too cliche. Uh, everybody has father wounds or everybody has parent you know, issues. Or And I was just like, I'm 30 years old. I'm going on 30. I have two kids of my own. I'm a dad. I, I don't have dad issues. And it was in that moment I realized he's right. I'm starting to have this stuff surface. And instead of having that fight response, my body has been giving me, this flight response, because for so long I fought it yeah. and it just hasn't worked. And what I did is I buried it in performance and I buried it in accolades and I buried it in communication skills and being every teenager's best friend. And I buried it in all that. And I was failing in some pretty serious areas of my life. I'm, I self-medicated basically. People do it with alcohol. They do it with drugs. They do it with sex. I did it with performance. And it's serious. I mean, it could be, it doesn't have to be some life-threatening thing that you medicate with. It could be whatever comforts you, yeah. whatever makes you feel comfortable. And we self-medicate in that way. And unfortunately, we've been taught to do that. And so so anyway, he throws me this acronym. And I'm going to say a joke that he said to me. He's like, what do you think about weed? What? And I was like, ah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, at this point, I'm like, "Now he is a professional. He's a doctor. So If he just so happens to prescribe me some marijuana, how do I come home with my wife saying, hey, baby? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I can't. (laughs) She would walk me back up to that doctor and ask for a different prescription. So anyway, he's like, no, no, no. Seriously, I got some good weed for you. And I'm like, all right, what is it? And he said, weeds, W-E-E-D-S is an acronym. And he said, let me walk it down for you. And then we're going to walk it backwards. And he says, W stands for wounds. The first E stands for erroneous belief or the false belief in something. The second E in the word weeds, it stands for emotional turmoil. The D stands for dysfunctional behavior and the S stands for sin. Or if you're not a believer, stands for situation. Mm. And so he just said, and this was on the first meeting. So he's he's blowing me away because he said, you're going to find yourself in a situation because you acted out a certain way. Because you felt hurt about something you believe because of a wound. He's like, when you're in that situation, whether you've thrown something, you've screamed at your wife, you've screamed at a coworker, you walked out on a job, you whatever it is that you've done. Yeah. Stop and think weeds backwards. You're in that situation. So now go to D. What is the dysfunctional behavior you just did? Was it rage? Was it what you name it? What was the dysfunctional behavior? Okay. Now that you have that. What was the emotional turmoil that led you to that action? Were you hurt? Did you feel abandoned? Did you feel forgotten? Because that's all the stuff I felt like. Did you feel like the pressure was too much for you, Kyle, and you were incapable of doing it, so you just quit your job? Mm. Because that was a serious issue with me. Mm. A little side note, I, on my own, I didn't take a class. I I got a CDL to drive a tanker without doing a 10, 12-week class. And yet, in the middle of that job, I felt incapable to do that job. Mm. Why? Why? I just proved I was capable of doing that. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, that's because of the erroneous belief that I was never going to really be good at that job. So now I've walked myself. So let's take that situation. I walked out on a job. Mm-hmm. That The situation is I don't have a job. Why? Because I walked out on it. Well, why did I walk out on it? Because I panicked. I had a panic attack in the truck. I don't know why I had a panic attack. I was going to load the truck with diesel. I just freaked out, pulled the truck in and left. Why did you have a panic attack? Well, the erroneous belief that I was not capable to actually do my job after I did just pass a test to do that job. That's what led me there. Well, what? So now what's the wound? Why do you believe you're incapable of doing that? Well, because I was also incapable of keeping my father around. And I mean, you just, you Mm -hmm. have these. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it takes time to, to realize what the wound is, but once you're able to figure out like what the wound comes from, you're able to feel like you realize like, yeah, the little Kyle in me feels incapable. Yeah. The little in Kyle in me feels, I feel, I don't feel good enough. Yeah. Uh, a little background. My father went to court and fought for one of our brothers, but didn't fight for me or my other brother. Mm. So right there, I feel like, well, what's different in that situation than my situation? Why, why didn't he fight for me? You yeah, know what I'm saying? So yeah. now I don't, I feel incapable. I don't feel good enough. I don't feel important. I feel forgotten. And so all of these, these little Kyles are coming out and they're different age groups and they, Kevin, they are throwing tantrums. Mm. Um, but as a father now, I have to father that little Kyle. And that's, it sounds weird, but he wasn't fathered. Yeah, And so just like my daughter, she's four, and she has an attitude on her. Mm. And part of it is to blame because I've taught her that. Even in her four years, I've taught her it's okay to yell. And I've taught her it's okay to stomp her feet and throw. So now I've got to retrain that. Well, how do I do that? I don't, when she's throwing a tantrum, just throw her in her room, shut the door, and tell her when she's done, she can come out. I don't do that. Because right. what's going to happen, the next time she doesn't feel like she wants to listen... She's going to throw a tantrum again. Right. What I do is maybe I spank her. Maybe I get her to settle down, but I discipline her. I talk to her. I teach her through the moment. I get on her, I get down physically on her level and I become the dad to her that I didn't have. And I become the dad to her that the little Kyle desperately needs as well. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so what I'm saying is, is if I'm expecting my four year old daughter to not throw any more tantrums, and I'm disciplining her in a way where I'm teaching her through that moment and saying, hey, it's okay that you're frustrated. It's okay, but it's not okay that you did that. And it's not okay that you feel that way because right now you think daddy's telling you you can't have it because he doesn't want you to have it. No, I'm telling you, you can't have it because it's not healthy for you. Yeah. I'm putting truth into her life, right? Yeah. In that same way, that four year old, that five year old, that 10 year old, that 14 year old Kyle, whatever he's experiencing, he needs to be sat down. Yeah. I need to come to terms with. This isn't the Kyle of now, but if I let it be, it will become the Kyle of now. I I can't just, I can't just tuck that little Kyle back in the, he's throwing a tantrum. I can't just tuck him away. That's what I've always done. Hmm. And that's what led me here. What I have to do is I have to say, okay, I feel unimportant right here. Yeah, I feel forgotten and that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Because the reality is I have felt that way, but the reality is I have to discipline this and I have to talk this thing out. And I have to put truth back where the lies have grown ground. And that is where clinical kind of stopped for me and biblical really took a play.
1: Yeah. So I want to just piggyback on another, all of this stuff that you just said. And I want to talk to men right now because you might be a man listening right now and you keep denying that you have issues, right? And, And I'm talking to men specifically because we are both men. Obviously, women deal with this as well, mm-hmm. um, and, and we'll talk about that and all of that. But there are men listening who just simply will not come to terms with what Kyle came to terms with. Yeah, they're afraid because we're always stuck in man mode. Mm-hmm. I want you to understand while you're listening to this right now, you have two real men. Yeah, who, yeah, <laughs> we're strong men. We're all about protecting. We're all about all of these things, but we both had to come to grips with that. We had an issue. We both had to come to grips with, there is a mental issue here. I can't, yeah. I am incapable of something. There really is something I'm incapable of, right. right? Because as men, we're fixers. We're natural fixers. Yes. The crazy thing about that though, is we always feel like we can fix everything, including ourselves. And yep, we can't fix ourselves, right? Like we're not if there are some mental issues or whatever going on, if you continue to bury it and bury it and bury it, it literally grows into a monster, and at some point, it's going to come out. So oh, yeah, it's going to come out in, you know, like how Kyle was just talking, it's going to come out in rage, it'll come out in suicide, it'll come out in I mean, it could come out in any form, and I promise you. It's a slow burn. And what ends up happening is at some point, you make this irrational decision that's going to affect everybody in your life. Yeah. I don't care how much you say you care about them. Once you get to that point, you're irrational. And whatever decision that you make, you're making it at the mercy of your mind that is not thinking correctly in that moment. That's a scary thing. And so, I would just say to any, any men listening right now, I know you're strong. I know you love your family. I know that you want to fix everything. And I know that everything else in your life you've been able to fix. I mean, you've been able to fix the car. You've been able to fix the water heater. You've been able to fix, you've been able to put in the floors. You've been able to do whatever. I get it. And that's good. But if you are dealing with some of these issues, man up. Yep. Man up and say, you know what? I need help. Yeah, I've had to do it. Kyle's had to do it. Don't feel like you're by yourself because we both did it, and we're continuing to walk through it. It's a journey, mm-hmm. and we're here with you, so you can come back. You listen to us every week, and know these are two men who we like to fix things too, but we yeah. also realize that we couldn't fix ourselves.
0: Yeah, and the Bible verse talking about you know in our weakness, yeah, he is made strong. Now I've always said that, but as a man. You don't want to admit that. You don't want to admit that I have to actually be weak for God to be glorified in my life. Yeah. Why can't he just be glorified and I be glorified? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and But here's the deal. Uh, it's a big deal because I, I really think that we are incapable of fixing ourselves. Yeah. We did not create ourselves. That's right. When you have something wrong with your vehicle, you go to the dealer. Right. So when there's something wrong in our lives, it only makes sense to go to the creator. That's right. And so he, in our weakness, he can be glorified. And and you know what? I had to learn it the hard way. But in my weakness, I had to go get help. Yeah. And I'm so thankful for. Let don't don't get it twisted. Right. I'm a man of faith. But I am so thankful for the clinical side of things. Yeah. I am thankful there's medicine out there that can bring a balance to what isn't balanced in your life. But I'm also thankful that medication doesn't have to be a permanent thing necessarily all the time. And you can go and you can get counseling and faith-based help. And there's healing in that. So we're not just self-medicating. We are, we're finding healing. And that's currently, for those of you listening, that's currently where I'm at. I'm not, I'm not all the way through this, Sure, but I am a different man. And let me get this clear too. I am not back to Kyle. Yeah. Don't get that twisted either. I'm not. I went into counseling going, I just want to get back to being Kyle. And he would always shut me up and be like, You can't go back to Kyle. <laughs> the Kyle you were was wounded. He yeah. was lying to himself. He was, You have to be a new creation. Yeah. That's good. And that verse never hit me the way it hit me in that room. Mm. But all things are new. Th- yeah. This is a new Kyle. Co- I have to be a better Kyle. Yes. Can't go back. So from here on out, he said, you are becoming a new creation. And I'm telling you, man, it's a long road, but it is such a liberating road to realize I can admit where I'm wrong. I can admit where I have, I have issues. And now that I can admit that I can fix these through help. So- And that's why I'm excited to have a professional on, um, because we're going to be able to ask questions from our followers about panic attacks, about anxiety, about suicide, about depression, about habits, about things that they want us to ask. And we are going to get that professional, not just that journey, not just that experience, Mm -hmm. but somebody who researches the mind and somebody who studies the anatomy, who's able to tell us how we're wired, because that's going to prove God's existence first and foremost. Yeah. But, and that's exciting, but- we're going to get that professional advice and it's exciting because i feel like this is going to help liberate or start the liberation process for most of our listeners
1: yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and you know we are so blessed um the both of us we attend the same church and uh, our church yeah has a counseling center right in the building like it i mean I'm sorry, I'm just going to brag about my church right now. So I mean, do it. <laughs> how many people, <laughs> how many churches do you go to that have something like that? And it's just a, yeah. a testament to the leadership and just caring about the whole man, not just the spiritual side, but also the natural side of man as well. And And I will tell you, any of you that have been under my ministry, whether it's been preaching or singing or whatever the case may be the man that stands in front of you would not have been there, or would, it would not have been there if I didn't have two things. One, someone at 18 years old that spoke purpose into my life, and two, doctors that recognized certain things that yeah. were wrong with me that needed to be corrected. Yeah. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up hmm. in a home that was loving. I I grew up in a home that we didn't want for anything. We always lived in nice neighborhoods and went to private school and all of these things. But I was a wounded young man, Mm -hmm. very wounded young man. And at 18 years old, I had a traumatic emotional thing happen to me based on a relationship. And that started my path of anxiety disorder never yeah. knew what anxiety disorder was did not understand like people would talk about panic attacks never knew what that what that meant like that what that meant mm-hmm. but i will tell you it controlled my life it got to the point where i could not leave my home yeah i will never forget a friend of mine we were we we're i love if you know me you know i love shopping i love clothes i love you know all that stuff so we were going to an outlet mall that's about an hour and a half 2 hours away called birch run and we were on our way there We got all the way there and we got out of the car. I was going up to the door and I just had a panic attack and we literally had to get back in the car and drive two hours back home because I literally could not function because of the panic attack that I was experiencing. And Mm -hmm. I think what we don't understand a lot of times is when people say things like, hey, I have anxiety or I have a panic attack or whatever we just kind of look, you know, we just kind of get over it. You know, just, just, you know, we we, we throw these little things at people and say, man, it's going to be all right. What are you afraid about? But what you don't Mm -hmm. understand, it's a real clinical issue. And, you know, like I say, it started when I was about 18 years old. And I believe that there are places, Kyle, that people can go in their minds and in their hearts that once you've opened up that area of your life, You have to be careful for the rest of your life that you do not go back to that area. Yeah. And I will tell you, as I was going through this and just kind of going back to when I was 18 years old, uh, when I was going through this, there was a night that I was going to commit suicide. And I will never forget, I was at a place, and like I said a little bit earlier, where I, I just did not see a reason to live. I did not see any value of me being on this Mm. earth. And I really looked at myself as being more of the problem than the solution. And I said, well, Mm. if I would just kill myself, then maybe life would be better. Maybe people would be happier. Maybe I wouldn't be such a burden on people. And I I mean, Mm. all of these things were going through my head. And I remember that night I said to God, I said, God, You have to give me a reason to live. If you don't give me a reason tonight to live, then I'm ending it tonight. My parents had no idea. I was in my room. They had no idea what was going on. They knew that I was going through some things at that time. I don't think they had any clue how serious it was. But, and I know now that this was God, I had enough common sense or enough part of my brain that said, You need to go get help. I literally ran out of my house. I can't remember what time it was. It was like six, seven, eight o'clock at night. And there was a church that's down the street from my house. And I had no idea if somebody was going to be there. I don't think it was a Wednesday night or anything like that when churches normally have uh, Mm. church. I ran down the few blocks it took me to get to that church, knocked on the door. And there were some pastors that approached me at the door and they said, you know and when I told him what was going on it's funny because a youth pastor I think it was a youth pastor and he was just kind of like oh my goodness man this is serious I better go get the big mm-hmm. guns so he yeah. went and he went and got <laughs> like some some of the executive pastors and uh they took me in a room and I want I want you you guys to understand this because my ministry the reason why you're hearing my voice on this podcast today the reason yeah. why you have sat under my ministry of preaching or leading worship is because the things that happened that night that I'm getting mm. ready to tell you right now. Mm. I walk in and that youth pastor, he just he it, you know, it was just it was a lot and I totally I get it. it. It was a lot cuz I don't even remember what I told him that night, but I did tell him that I was going to take my life that night. Yeah. They sat in front of me and they began to talk to me about purpose. Yeah. No one in my entire life had ever spoken purpose to me. They begin to ask me about my talents. They begin to ask me about my abilities. They begin to ask me, what do you do? And I say, yeah, you know, I play, I play keys and I sing and I, you know, I lead worship. And, and at that particular time, when I tell you I led worship, I say that with air quotes because I had zero idea what leading worship really meant. I was a musician that thought I yeah. was leading worship, right? And I remember they began to speak life and they said, they just kind of looked at me and said, you know, like, what are you, stupid? Like, what, what's wrong with you? Get up, understand you've got a purpose. God's got a plan for your life. There's a, and they began to speak hope into my yeah. situation. That started. Now, don't get me wrong. Did I deal with some other issues and anxiety? And we'll talk about that in a second. Did I deal with some other issues? Absolutely. But mm. that night saved my life. And I will tell you, everything I do, every mint, every, every, um, counseling session I have, every mentorship that I have, every worship session that I'm in, I will speak life. I will always tell you that you have a purpose because you know what? Somebody didn't tell me and it almost ended my life. But I I Mm -hmm. am committed to telling every person for the rest of my life and showing them and helping them to understand their purpose. Now, once That happened and God intervened in that situation. I developed anxiety from this emotional, traumatic experience that I had. And it's funny because we, you know, we talk about the race debate and we've done a show on race. And it's crazy because part of this traumatic event that came was me being threatened by skinheads. Yeah. Because of the person that I was dating at the time and i remember developing this and i went to the doctor and the doctor said hey kevin he they said he said if you don't get a hold of your life you're going to be like a walking zombie he said you are you're you're just you're out of control and i will tell you that for that night that the doctor told me that i came home and i did i mean, i wasn't even i don't even consider myself saved at that point but boy did i do a lot of praying i'm i'm just realizing mm-hmm. this as i'm talking through it right yeah. uh so so I came home that night and I said, God, I said, I don't want to be a walking zombie. I said, I do not want to be one of these people that's on medicine and all of this, all this kind of stuff. And I will tell you for about 17 years, 16, 17 years, I had some bouts with anxiety, just a few here and there, but I didn't really deal with it. And I never had to take that medicine. Now, fast forward to 2018, it was my birthday. And my wife had set up a surprise birthday party for me downtown Detroit, one of my favorite restaurants, and I, was, I, I didn't make it. She had to cancel it. I had been dealing with, and she knew about this, but most people didn't, is, uh, and again, going back to what Kyle was saying, is, so for me, I have a lot of people that I mentor. I have a lot of people that I counsel. I have a lot of people who, you know, that there's, you know, you feel like you got to be strong for everybody. Right. That that's what you feel like. I gotta be strong because you know everybody's gotta see me as a strong person. And but what the truth was I was breaking down. Like I I literally was I was having anxiety attacks and things happening so bad that it was affecting my job. I eventually had to tell my boss, I said, I just don't know what I'm gonna do. I said, I I've gotta get some help. It was affecting my work, it was affecting my vision. I would have these headaches every day. I had debilitating just thoughts of constant, you're gonna die. You're gonna die. You know, you're gonna get in your car, you're gonna get on the freeway, you're gonna die. I mean, just some attacks in the mind. It was and we I believe it was spiritual and natural. Yeah. But it would trigger these anxiety attacks. And I will tell you, so my birthday is always around Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is one of my most favorite holidays. I love Thanksgiving and I also love Christmas, but I love Thanksgiving dinner. Okay. I'm just <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> I, I, I was waiting for it. I, was- <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I love Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner. And I will tell you when I could not function at Thanksgiving dinner because I was dealing with anxiety so bad that I was scared of the food I was going to eat. I mean, no joke. Like I was, you know, a few days later, i was supposed to have my surprise birthday party, had to cancel it because I was, I could not function. I was not going to be able to go out of the house. Yeah. And I will tell you, it took everything within me as a man to say, you know what? I need help. I need help. I'm not strong. I'm not as strong as I portray myself to be. I'm tired Mm -hmm. of trying to, to carry the weight of being the strong one in my family, to being the strong one in front of my friends, to be the strong one in my church, to be the strong, like it, I broke and uh, ended up going to the doctor and the doctor just said, Hey man, you're dealing with clinical anxiety. Like you got to get on some medicine. And I will tell you, that's one of those things where it's a taboo issue, right? because people will say well well Kevin how come I thought the Bible says pray without ceasing I thought the Bible says cast your cares on him I thought the Bible said all of these things and what we don't understand is I know God I love God I'm in the word I was yeah, praying I absolutely. was doing all of those things but something was wrong in my brain Yeah like there was an actual clinical issue that had to be dealt with and you know once I you know, as I was talking to the men earlier, once I realized I couldn't fix myself, I would, you know, I'll handle it. I'll be okay. I just kept saying that, you know, once I got over that and got over my pride, then I was able to be helped. And I'm still on that journey today, you know, and still working through some things, but I am way better off than I was. People also didn't know during that time, I was having severe suicidal thoughts, severe. I mean, just. I mean, almost every single day to the point yeah. that I refused to get a CPL because I was afraid that I was going to blow my brains out. I mean, these are things that yeah. people, Kyle, are they're facing, they're going around and they're facing, and we're just walking past people as Christians every day and saying, you know what? You'll be all right, brother. You, you know, just, you know, we'll pray for you. Prayer works. Yes, it does. But what else works? Is medicine and, yeah. and therapy and getting counseling. And and I will mm. tell you, and I've said this to you, Kyle, before is think about Luke. Luke was a physician in the Bible. hmm Nowhere in the,
0: Yeah, I love this point.
1: Nowhere in the Bible did you see Jesus when he was walking the earth and he was healing everything that moved, right? He could he, yeah. he you know he was raising yeah. people from the dead. Yeah. Right? Yep. Nowhere do you see him chastise Luke for being a physician. He didn't say, well, Luke, I'm here now. So you you don't have to do any of that, your physician stuff. Why don't you, you know, drop your, uh, your stethoscope and and once you start doing some of this other thing? Why not you start doing ministry, uh, brother? Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't say that to he didn't say that to right. Luke. Nowhere in scripture do you see that Jesus told Luke to stop his practice because Jesus was walking around healing people. Right. I think we have to, as Christians, understand that. Yes, there are moments and there are times, and I think this is very important because I, I don't want you to hear this in, in a wrong way. There's a balance to this. There are some people who have fear that is not of God, that is produced by the enemy, that's not clinical, and they need to understand that fear is has torment. And yep. prayer, getting focused on God, reading Scripture, understanding the yeah. promises of God, will break you out of that. But there Absolutely. are other people who have true clinical issues that Mm. need to see a doctor. You need Mm -hmm. to get therapy because there are things that God has given them to do. They've been ordained to do some of these things to help you in your walk through mental health. And so I think we have to be careful to over-spiritualize things and say, well, well, brother, you just got a spirit of fear. Well, that you might. You, You might just be dealing with just normal everyday fear, but you also might be dealing with a clinical issue. And I believe it's extremely important for you to understand the difference. And I'm not a doctor, Kyle's not a doctor, uh, but we're no. going to have a professional on uh, the next <laughs> time that we talk. And she will talk about the differences between just you having a bad day or have a bad week or bad month, right? and you actually being clinically depressed.
0: Oh, absolutely. And that's what, God, that's what I love about this show is that well listen, we are God fearing men and we are raising our family in that way. And and I believe in the power of healing, I believe in the yeah. power of Jesus, I believe in yes. the power of the blood. I believe in all of that in scripture and prayer, all of yes. that. And and trust me, if 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 I could have gotten the healing that I needed through that prayer, yeah. I'd be on here saying I did. And God but can. I, I, and he listen, he can. But yes. I'm saying in that moment. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I obviously had some clinical, Absolutely. clinically depressed. I mean, yes. I had some clinical things that had to get worked out too. And that's not to say prayer had ceased. You just said it. I continue to pray. Yeah. And guess what? I believe that even in that, I'm able to get wisdom and I'm able to get reassurance and I'm able to feel hope and I'm able to feel joy and and the acceptance from a father that I need to feel. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's not to say that I'm not getting those healings here and there. But I do like the fact that this show gives that balance. We're going to talk about the clinical side of this, but we are not, by any stretch of the imagination, negating the fact that we have a God that will heal. That's right. That does heal today. Yes. And in the same token, though, we're going to say that our God can and will heal, but we're also not negating the fact that he has also given wisdom to those that need that wisdom to help further a procedure, further a process or a journey along either. And so I love that. I love yeah. that we can even have this talk in this moment and talk about our, our darkest moments. Yeah. And say, in the midst of medicine, yes. Our God was still there. Yes. And in the midst of our God being there, there was wisdom for medicine. Like there should be that balance. Yeah. Because I think that brings that wholeness and that healing in place.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. And I would just want to say that those of you who are dealing with mental illness, you're dealing with depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, I just want you to know there's hope.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: There's hope, number one, in Jesus Christ. Amen. There's hope there. And it is God's will that you are healed and that you are free of whatever those things are. But what you have to find out is what avenue is God going to do that in your life, right? There are some yeah. people, they will get prayed for and God will heal them completely of whatever that, that ailment is or mental illness is. But then there's other people where God will use the doctor's to help and guide you and get you through that season of your life. And so yeah. I think we have to be very uh, prayerful. Um, I, I think mm-hmm. that, you know, we shouldn't judge people based on what, what they decide to do, what road they decide to take. That's between you and God. Mm-hmm. I, I think you should get good counsel. I, I definitely don't think you should just run out every time you feel, uh, have a bad day and say, well, maybe I'm depressed and I'm going to get on some medicine. I'm not saying do that, you know, but what I am, that's a
0: good point. Yeah.
1: What I am saying is be vigilant, understand, know where you're, you know, like Kyle said, he he had to get out of his own head, right? Understand what's going on in your brain. And, And if you feel you're overwhelmed, start talking to somebody about it. And Christians, let's take the stigma off of this. You know, let's take the stigma off of people being depressed or having anxiety or having suicidal thoughts, you know, don't make it such a taboo issue. One of the, you know, Lifeway did a research and it said that one of the things that people said is they don't feel comfortable. They don't feel like the church. They don't feel comfortable when they go to church to talk about it openly. They feel like mental illness is just a taboo topic that they don't, they don't feel If there's any place that we should feel comfortable to talk about anything that's going in our lives, it should be the church. Yeah. We should never feel like that it's uncomfortable.
0: I'm sorry. If there's any book that has examples of mental illness, it's the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. It's the word of God.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. This same research said nearly half of pastors reported that they rarely or never speak of mental illness. Two-thirds of pastors speak about mental illness once a year. 55% of people who don't attend regularly feel that the church would not welcome them if they had mental illness. I mean, all of these things, anxiety disorders, this goes on in this research, says anxiety disorders are the most or the second most common category of mental health conditions among children and teens. Wow. We, we have to remember, humans go to church.
0: Yeah. Like if, Say that again.
1: If we can understand that humans go to church, we will understand that anything could come up in church, any topic, any issue, any sickness, any ailment, and the church should be there to help, to guide. You may not be able, you might not be like our church and have a counseling center inside of your building. It, you might not have that but the church should be a place where you have the resources that you can lead people to the place where they can get help. Yeah, absolutely. That's what's important. And so I just say, if you're dealing with it, know that there are other people out there, many, many, many people who are dealing with the same thing that you're dealing with. And uh, we want to provide hope. And as we continue at the Thinking Out Loud Media Group, we're going to have resources available. We're gonna do everything that we can to be the answer and to be the to be to be part of the answer in culture and not uh the hindrance. And so yeah. that's uh but I think I I Kyle I you know what I thank you for being real today. Thanks for being raw man and, and oh, you know, thank you Kev. I know that's tough. You know I, I it's not easy, especially for us guys to be open and honest about, you know, weaknesses right we don't like the word weakness (laughs) but Mm -mm. but we have to understand it's something that we deal with and and we appreciate you being here with us today and listen you know talk to us on social media let's keep this conversation going we'd love to chat with you on facebook instagram twitter kyle will tell you exactly where to go but uh just talk to us we want to hear from you if you you got a need you need to you need some references to some great places we'll give you those as well but uh, follow us
0: yeah absolutely and guys listen if there's something that we talked about today that triggered something or you feel like you relate or or maybe we didn't hit something, but you'd still like to see that discussed with the professional on our next episode, comment on our Facebook, on our Instagram, on our Twitter post. Let us know if there's something that you, like Kevin was saying, you want a resource on our website page. We have resources for counseling. We have yeah. resources for, for all sorts of stuff. So that's one of the things we want to do is, is not just be a voice and talk about we need more resources and we need more accessibility, but be that beacon of resource and be that beacon of accessibility. And so, listen, don't be ashamed. Even message us if you have to. If there's something that you need to talk about, we want to get you the help that you need to have. Let you know that you're not alone. Let you know that we understand. Let you know this, God understands. Yes. God knows. Yeah. God already knew and he understands. And so- He's with you in that situation. And so real quick, if you want to get a hold of us, contact us. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Out Loud Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Thinking underscore Out Loud Podcast. I'm sorry, that's our Instagram, Thinking underscore Out Loud Podcast. And then follow us on Twitter at Thinking Out Loud. We'd love to connect with you. Thank you, guys.
1: Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back with you next week and uh, we'll continue this conversation. We're looking forward to it. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.